All right. Hello, Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast, bonus podcast. Hello, Barrett Antar Goodwin. Hey, how are you, sir? Musician in New York City. I am Nathan Timmel, comedian in Iowa City. We are recording on Thursday, July 30th. Herman Cain is dead. Herman Cain has died. Um, it's during the day. We don't usually record during the day, so I've got thumping going on above me. I'm in the basement, and i got kids running around. So uh, a door over there might open at some point and I'll have to, there, there might be an edit somewhere in here where I go, God damn it. And then it'll fade out and we'll fade back into our conversation because they know not to come down here, but you know, they're kids and they forget and what are you going to do? So today um, I wanted to talk about redemption and forgiveness, sort of a, a dual topic. And I, asked you to look up a couple names. Did you uh, mm -hmm. look up the ladies I told you about? I did indeed. I did indeed. So, uh, to the viewers, the listeners, I'm not, I'm not going to go into specifics because I don't think there's any need to. In England and in America, two women, two teenagers, two girls, completely unrelated, unbeknownst to one another, no relation, uh, both did the same very stupid thing. Uh, they got online. They were unhappy. They're teenagers, you know, 17 years old. Everybody's unhappy when they're 17. Uh, in their throes of teen angst, though, these women, these girls, uh, they, they said, ooh, what's this? It's called ISIS. Well, that's intriguing. And they got involved with ISIS chat rooms to the point where uh, they joined ISIS. They actively left America, uh, got smuggled into Syria, and became members of ISIS. And of course, once they got there, they realized they were stupid. They'd been lied to. They, they said, oh, we're going to go fight the infidels. And uh, because, and I'm not saying anything surprising here, because they were women, they showed up and were told, ha ha, now you're married to this guy, start shitting out babies. And they were <laughs> raped. And uh, I think one of them had a husband die. So they were just given to the next guy because they were treated like cattle because that's what ISIS did with women. Um, and so they regret it. And ISIS eventually lost and they were captured and put in camps. And they both said, I want to go home. One said, I want to go home to England. One said, I want to come home to America. And both governments said, pow, right there. You joined ISIS. That was your choice. Fuck you. Um, the girl in England just won whatever version of the Supreme Court is over there. Court said she could return to England. One in America is still being denied entry. Um, I think the administration, the Trump administration, may have vacated or tried to vacate her citizenship. And so she is still, I believe, in a refugee camp. She has a kid from one of her marriages. She just wants to come home. And so that's the starting point. I have several other uh, items to talk about. Like, that's the, this is large forgiveness and redemption. And then there are small scale that I'll get into. But personally, I, I get the knee-jerk reaction. Fuck her. She went and joined ISIS. They were the enemies of the state. But on a bigger picture... I mean, I don't, I don't say just, yeah, let her come in. She can go live her life. But I think it's a wasted opportunity. I think it's a opportunity to say, okay, you get to come back, but you're going to be heavily monitored. And for the next five years or maybe even 10 years, I don't know, you're going to go around the country talking to teenagers about your mistake and talk to teenagers that, that do these stupid things, that become radicalized, that not even with Islam. I mean, teenagers just in general, you have uh, shooters, you have incels, you have unhappy, you have suicide. 
and she just went down an interesting path of joining ISIS. Why not use it as a learning app opportunity? I mean, she's 17. If I was held, I didn't do anything that dumb, but if, if, if the decisions, if I made some really stupid decisions at 17, and I know I did, I would hate for them to haunt me the rest of my life. I mean, growth and development are important. And this is something you and I have talked about, the idea that once you say someone is irredeemable, you cast them out and they are never to be heard from again. Yeah. What happened to forgiveness? What happened to redemption and understanding? I've got more thoughts, but I'll shut up for a while because that's I just mean, a jumping off point. Well, all right. Let me start by saying I didn't really know anything about these the women until you said look into it. Okay, so I've been following it for when, a year or so. Okay, so when Jake I and looked I've into about it, it in the past too on the original version of the podcast. So, so what? So everything that I gleaned was gleaned between yesterday and today right okay here's my understanding 15 year old girls get on the computer get talked into some some stuff voluntarily fly over join a group from what i understood the marriage wasn't unhappy other than the sense that like her one husband got killed and then she met another guy, but she didn't, I didn't get the sense that she was raped and unhappy from the particular woman. So I, I don't know that. You might be talking to the British woman. I've, I've read yeah. other accounts. Maybe, maybe I'm getting jumbled in my head, but these, the, the two I sent are the most popular, but there are several accounts. Okay. They just show up and they're told, you know, yeah. this is your role. You are now a baby. Yeah, right. I, I was told, like, the way I heard it was, not that it sounds significantly better, you have your pick of these men, not you're with this one. I was like, okay, whatever. I don't know that controlling all that. It's like, you know, when you don't want to fight with your wife about where to go out to dinner, you go, we can, hey, honey, let's go out to dinner, uh, Italian or Indian? And she goes, oh, Italian. And she feels like she made the choice, even though you gave her the two options, right? right. So I, I don't know if that's, like, if that's the same thing. I'm not trying to say that she had it easy, but... But when I listened to the British one, one of their arguments was about money, right? Like, she's over in Syria. Should she be allowed to come back and become the, the British taxpayer's problem, right? Because what you're talking about, let's say, okay, let's say we bring this woman back and we've got to fly her all around to do all this stuff. Who pays for that, right? If she's going to go into jail or be monitored for five years like a serial killer and studied to figure out how to stop kids from getting radicalized, who pays for that, right? Is it reasonable that our tax dollars should have to pay for her to do that? And I'm not saying they should or shouldn't be. Um, it's really just a question. Well, it when, is a question. We, you know what I mean? I think it's a point of view. Is it a who pays for it or is it an investment? I didn't think of the who pays for it until you uh, right. said it. I didn't read that. Right. And I, I didn't catch that part of it. But when you were saying it, my first thought is it's an investment. If you take someone like, okay, I, I, I didn't think of this, but um, when I was in high school, I remember this very clearly. I, just the moment. I couldn't tell you the, 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 the larger part, but I just remember the moment of having to go to an assembly and, uh, in, the, in the gym and it's the full school and I'm sitting there bored and they're like, we have a speaker today. And I'm like, I don't care. I should have ditched. I should have, you know, like, taken <laughs> up when you, 
And so I'm sitting in this guy, uh, this person, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you if it was a man or a woman, honestly, I don't remember anything other than uh, I was a teenager too, just like all of you in the stands and blah, 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 blah. And so I went to a party and I got behind the wheel of a car and that's when I killed, uh, you know, mother and daughter. I don't remember, but I just remember the line and that's when I killed and talked about. And so, I mean, that sticks with me all these years later and I've never driven drunk and I'm not saying it's because of that moment, but I am saying it made an impact. And if you take someone like this, someone that made a bad decision and she, because I, because I think we're very condescending to, to confuse teenagers. Fuck you, get over it, grow up. Absolutely. When it would be better to find someone that's been there and say, look, I did something really, really dumb. I went online and again, there's there's a plethora of things online. Oh, hey, meet me in a McDonald's. Uh, you know, you're a 15 year old girl. I want to have sex with you. I'm going to make you feel pretty. Um, you know, just uh, hey, uh, you're you're going to Mexico. How about you just uh, put this in your suitcase when you come back across the border? You'll get two thousand dollars. You know, just come for spring break. They don't. Oh, search I, What's I, it? I saw. I saw. Well, it's an investment. To me. It's not a who's going to pay yeah. for it. It pays for itself over the course of its counseling, because we, we know you said it yourself. If you put him in prison, um, then that's on the taxpayer uh, dime. Uh, what, what do the studies say? If you put someone in prison, it costs money. But if you put them into rehab, if they're an alcoholic or drug, uh, then it pays for itself because, because they become better citizens. So I look at these women, or at least the American woman, you know, just the idea that one country is letting back. I look at it as an investment. I mean, I agree. Uh, from a personal perspective, I agree. I feel like I watched a video yesterday, like complete waste of three minutes of my life that I'll never get back, but now it just has relevance, where there was, all you saw was a pair of like double D cups in a tight shirt, in a bra on the screen. And then on one version of the screen, there's like a Zoom call. And then on the top of it is some dude just oh, doing ridiculous things. That's not stupid, that was fantastic. I saw that video. No, you I loved it. Oh, I love that video. Hilarious. And it's a guy with a beard just trying to get yeah. guys do dumb shit, right? So, so now, to the to the people viewing, so what happens <laughs> is there's a split screen, and so you you just see the, these boobs here, and, and then there's someone doing, you know, like I said, cracking an egg in, and then I was like, "Fuck you! I can't believe you did that. You're a homo or whatever." And the other person's like, "Ah!" Trying to get off the screen because they thought they were talking to this beautiful woman with big breasts. So that's the video you saw. I loved it, especially when yeah. he tilted the cameras like, fuck you, you queer. Fuck you, I got you. Well, guys, whipped cream all over his face. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like something. Well, he's drinking so out of the goddamn toilet. I know. I saw that. Like... water out of a toilet. Yeah, I, I think the whipped cream guy, by the way, he was my favorite because didn't he go, yeah, you got me. Like yeah, everybody like, else right. would turn their camera off. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, okay, you busted me. Right, he says, right. But it's like silly. But here's the thing. Not a, a waste dude, of my time at all. I love that if video. A, you called it a waste of time. But if a dude on a computer can get grown men to do shit. Yeah. Well, no, there was a pillow fucker was a teenager. Some, right, there were some teenagers and stuff. Like, it's not that hard. That's why we have things. That's why we have a statutory rape, right? Because the idea that a 25-year-old, a 25-year-old person can talk a 15-year-old person into pretty much anything. Yeah. Did it I mean so? Yes. You know, like the idea that these women did this for 
did this voluntarily. And, and I don't mean to be insulting, know. but girls, they're girls. They're 17, right, they're, right, they're, years girls. Old. they're not women. They're 15. They're yeah, 15 when they got recruited. Them, right. Girls. Yeah, they're little girls, right? They're, they're children. And so I believe that we need to have a certain amount of understanding for the fact that they were children, right? When they made these decisions, they were, they were children, right? Fuck, I forgot this at a timer, so I want to make sure we don't talk over what we're yeah. supposed to do anyway. Our, our but, but here's the thing, and this is where I don't know, because if I ran a spy organization, if I ran ISIS, and I got a bunch of British and American and Canadian and all kinds of people to come over and do this, I would train them all to go back home. Do you know what I mean? I hear that too. And that's, I why, that's why I said they should be monitored. It's not just like, right. welcome back to the country, go back to your life. Right. I would train them to go home and, and then start recruiting other people and building cells over here and over wherever they are. And this would be the perfect way to do it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, you know, even what you're talking about, go on the tours and grab the kids who seem most, most vulnerable and, and pull them into a room. You know what? I need some one-on-one -on -one counseling. Here's what I need you to do, kid. Pretend you're not going to do this anymore. But and then you, now, you, you, know, I mean, you don't get one-on-one -on -one uh, time. I mean, it would be heavily monitored. It's not just a matter right. of, okay, you go but, off on right. tour and talk I, to kids. But, like, but, so, but so there's that. I agree that they're children and they should be dealt with as children. If we have rules about kids can't drive, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this before a certain age, and then if they can't go to war and they're basically conscripted for lack of a better word, if I'm using that word properly, right. They're drafted into something based Not on a voluntary. They weren't drafted. It's, it's voluntary. Right. It's, it's stupid. It is, but, but, but this, this here, this is the argument, right? If you have sex with a 15 year old, she didn't volunteer, even if she willingly did it. That's true. Right? She didn't volunteer. Right. She doesn't have the freedom she to consent. She not she has the freedom to consent, but her consent isn't valid in a court of law. So why would the consent of a fifteen year old signing up to join the, the army be valid? Do you know what I mean? Like point, if, point taken. Like if we're gonna use those rules. Now, again, it's complicated. I think that the what I saw about the British one was that the one woman was arguing that Britain doesn't have the laws to deal with someone like this because they've never really had to deal with this kind of situation before where yeah. 15 year old with a child who didn't do anything is trying to come back so her child can have a better life it's like she's got an 18 month old kid or some shit and it's like that kid is technically a british citizen kind of because it's hers and she was still a citizen is that kid their responsibility and many people argue yes but she isn't but the kid is right so there's one argument there and another one of just like you know if they don't have the laws to handle it as much as they should bring her back there's no mechanism in place for her to get any of the stuff that you're talking about because they've never had to deal with this before in yeah. any real way that they had to make laws about it the laws that they use somehow don't apply like she's not a she's not a spy she's kind of a terrorist but she really just kind of stayed home and from what they said she hasn't she didn't seem to have much remorse or anything like that but 
neither do people, neither does anybody with Stockholm syndrome while they seem to have it. I guess you know I, know, I, mean? I, I know the American woman, she seems to have remorse. Okay. I, I, I haven't seen, okay. The bun, you know, but she seems desperate. Like I yeah. really fucked up here. Like this yeah. was a mistake. British woman maybe feels okay about it. And then if she feels okay about it or doesn't express remorse, then maybe my sympathy goes away too. It's kind of like what I said at the top of the show, Herman Cain. I, am I happy he's dead? No, but we're talking about a guy that tweeted out masks are bullshit, fuck you, and he went to a rally without masks and now he's dead from the disease he called fake. So you make decisions, you live with them, or you don't. So if she's like, yeah, yeah I joined ISIS, uh, now let me back in, it didn't work out. That, that, that's not the same as as I made a horrible mistake, I, I would like redemption and forgiveness, yeah. which is what I said this is about. If, if she's not asking for forgiveness or redemption, then maybe it doesn't deserve to be granted. I'm, I'm all for I, letting someone drift in the wind if, if they're gonna stand by their stupid mistakes. I, I will say, honestly, I don't know enough about it to really get into details, but from what I know, I'm glad I'm not on that jury. Well, then the jury would get a lot more information. Right, than we have. I, but, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I feel like a lot of times, I don't want to say particularly in this country, but from what I see, particularly in this country, that being said, my knowledge of other countries is very scant. But what I see is the level of conviction most people have behind their arguments in no way matches up to the level of research they've done on said arguments, right? That is so, a goddamn nice point. So I feel like I can't talk about it with any real conviction, but what I can say is that it is complex because on one hand, I agree with you that like, I'm, my whole thing is always about forgiveness and the fact that we can be redeemed, not in, in the blood of Jesus, right? <laughs> I, I did want to get into that because one thing I, I really hate is deathbed confessions, deathbed redemption. Right. Oh, I was a rapist and a murderer and a horrible, but here I am on de uh, getting the electric chair. Forgive me, Jesus. Oh, he went to heaven because he read the last. I don't buy into any of that. I, I don't buy into religious uh, redemption I last mean, moment when they're not, not only not only do I think it, it's it's uh, ridiculous, I think it becomes the bedrock of why this country's so fucked up. Right? I can see like that. if you if, if you want to take a quick little detour for a minute, right? And we'll we'll circle right back around to this, right? Because I, I do want to transition to to forgiveness and redemption. On, on a smaller, not smaller, but a sillier level. But okay. So when the church was selling tickets to heaven, right? Martin Luther decides this is bullshit. We can't sell tickets to heaven, whatever. You no longer need the intermediary to be, you, don't, you no longer need an intermediary to talk to God. Which you is what... Now, we talked about when we said that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, hey, right. I'm going to go into the temple and tear down the curtain and give all access to God. And the right. next thing exactly. happened, they built up a religion right. that said, hey, Jesus was a good guy. We can give you access to him. And it was like, that's not the fucking point of Jesus. Right, anyway. exactly. Right. So Martin Luther said that. He also said that in order to get into heaven, something like what you need to believe is like the, the virgin birth, the holy trinity whatever the stuff is right so we have to have these beliefs believe that god is the son of, of jesus is the son of god 
and accept him in your heart and pray for forgiveness or whatever. And the minute you take away the idea of being a good person, right? So now you no longer have, you can't do good works to get into heaven, right? But it also negated the need for good works because all you have to do is say at your deathbed, I believe in X, Y, and Z, and you automatically get a pass for all the bullshit you did for 99 years, right? Which is why I never understood um, mafia dons, because they were always, remember in the movies and the Godfather, they were always portrayed as, you know, ruthless killers, a-holes, but they went to church because of the family and and it's like, you you don't get both sides of it. Right. And, And that was largely created because we decided that we could make religion any way we wanted to. And Martin Luther said it, and then it just got it just got out of control. His point might have been reasonable, but by the time they landed on these shores, they were just making up shit left and right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it just grew into some crazy thing that we now see today uh, called the Evangelical Church, right? Like, so and others. Right. But, right, but, but you literally can see, like, if you trace a lot of the religions back, you can see that they were started as cults that just because of the birth of the printing press or the birth of this, this cult was allowed to, like the internet. It did what the internet did for crazy people. Like, we look right back to ISIS. Back in the day, how would you have recruited 15-year-olds in other countries? There wasn't even a way to do it. You know what I mean? Like, it took face-to-face meetings and secret handshakes and shit. And now all you need is a website. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you can seek out, you just go to chat rooms. Like, like, uh, are you looking up a chat room or no, I was thinking about your book. Oh, in your book. Yeah. I, I, right? I put that in there. I used to like, like, it's like, the, right, like you used to have I, basically what you just said is you used to know, have a, to know a secret handshake. Now you can just Google and someone out there on this planet will believe the same thing you believe yeah. no matter how crazy. And you can find an innocuous chat room and just say, I think this, and then see who responds. And then follow that on the side. And then, right, and then do something else. And you can just start recruiting people. It's so much easier now because of the technology that all kinds of crazy things are allowed to flourish with kind of reckless abandon. You know what I mean? It's kind of weird. Um, I do want to say one quick thing about religion, which I thought was... I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but um, have you seen the Book of Mormon? No. I heard it's great, though. It's fantastic. Spoiler alert, I'm just going to tell you what it is. That is the arc of a religion. Mormons go to Africa to convert the Africans to Mormonism, but what they discover is their particular tales do not match the needs of the community there, so they change some of the stories to be more relevant to the community. Right. And then it just becomes this, by the end of the Book of Mormon, they've created a new religion, one that is a mix of African and Mormonism, because that's what Africa needed. Is like, it's based in good. They're, they're, they're not trying right. to dismantle Mormonism. They're trying to expand it, and they realize the way to do that is to bring, to open themselves up to other experiences, not make everyone come into their experiences. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's so, an interesting point. But religion aside, so let's let's stick with redemption and forgiveness before we get too far off. I, I want to, and I'm not sure how to do this without tipping my hand. I got into 
and by tipping my hand, I mean letting you know who I'm talking about. Uh, there was a discussion slash argument online. Shocking, best place to get in fights. <laughs> um, I guess I'm not going to pl play coy about it. I'm just going to spill all the beans. Right now, uh, Kanye West is getting made fun of a lot, but he's also getting, in what I've seen, a lot of sympathy. There's a lot of discussion of mental health illness because of his, I'm gonna run for president, no, I'm not running for president, here I'm gonna have a campaign rally for president, and I'm gonna insult Harriet Tubman, and oh, everybody that has a baby gets a million dollars, oh, he's bipolar, he's off his meds, I mean, there's a lot going on and people are talking about it. <laughs> and as much as people are making fun, I'm seeing a lot of sympathy and saying, hey, he's bipolar, he needs help, Kim is talking about it. And so, someone else brought up Mel Gibson, and, people started going a little cray-cray, insulting Mel, uh, blasting him, calling him racist, sexist. And a couple of us pointed out, I jumped on and said, well, it's interesting because Mel was bipolar his whole life, but didn't get diagnosed until he was an adult because it wasn't talked about. So he self-medicated with alcohol. And when you're bipolar and chemically imbalanced, when you are at your bottom, you are gonna say and do things that aren't you. I know everybody says that, uh, and it's, it's a legit mental illness, like, they say about Roseanne that, uh, oh, you don't take sleeping pills and become a racist. You're just racist. She's legitimately mentally ill. She got in a hit as a teenager. She has brain damage. I'm not insulting her or making fun. Mel Gibson is chemically imbalanced. And so Danny Glover has talked about understanding and forgiving him. Jodie Foster, I mean. And so when I would ask, okay, give me an instance of him being racist and sexist that's not an alcohol-fueled, chemical imbalance, bipolar, you know, drop in, in who he is, and they couldn't. Uh, they would just say, he's racist and sexist. And I'm not defending his words. I'm not saying I'd even want to hang out with Mel Gibson. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the idea that it's interesting that we will forgive one person for being crazy, but not another. Maybe it's depending on what they say and do. I mean, Kanye blasts Harriet Tubman, but they're like, he needs help. Mel Gibson talks about Jewish people starting all the wars and hoping people get, uh, his girlfriend gets raped by a pack of black people using a different word, and he is, is shunned forever. He, as far as I know, he's done work. He's met with uh, Jewish leaders and LGBTQ community. He just does that on the quiet and says, this is what I did. How do I learn and apologize? Just, nobody seems to want to forgive him or trust that he's mentally ill. What do, what do you think of those two instances? Or does everybody deserve to... <clears throat> depend on what you do or does well, everybody deserve redemption? I, I, I mean, I think that like, unfortunately this conversation is going to go to where our conversations always go. And I was really trying to avoid that today. So was but, I, I didn't want to talk race. But, but here's what I <laughs> we talk about it every time. I, I think part of it is timing. I think part of it is that it's like when, when, when I think about, do you remember the band Arrested Development? Yeah. All they right, tried they, to they, the show Arrested Development. Well, there you go. They had a they had a woman named Dion Farris who was in that band. She had a song called "Penny with a Hole in It," right? Hopeless, I'm hopeless like a penny with a hole in it, right? Great song, love the song. I believe that that song was before its time. People liked it, but only a certain group of people, because the group of the kind of people who liked that song were too small of a minority at the time to really give it the traction it needed. Now, within five to seven years, there's a huge neo-soul explosion of people who are doing music very similar to that, that was doing really well. But I think that without 
her doing that song and influencing a bunch of those people, those things might have never happened. But had her song, let's say somebody else put out a song and then her song, that same song came out five years later, I think it might have been a hit, right? I think if Mel Gibson was doing what he was doing today and he was known to be bipolar and to have and to be self-medicating with alcohol, I think he might have a different take. I think with, I think it's difficult for us to recast him with our new knowledge and get rid of all the anger that we felt before we knew he was bipolar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas like, like, I think that's part of it is that I think it's a timing issue because there's several years between the two incidents and social media. A and, decade probably. Right. Right, so there's a, you're right, because Mel Gibson has a, right, because literally that was the end of his his movie career as we know it. Do you know what I mean? So, well, put it on hold for 10, 12 years. I mean, he's, he's right. made a couple since, but. Right, and, and so, but nothing has had any real traction because of that, right? Now. I got nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> oh, which one? Uh, the, the World War II movie. Okay, I didn't see it. I didn't see it That's either. Cool. It it That's wasn't nice. a big hit, but yeah, it, but right, but, you know, and and he and I saw him on. And he didn't go in front of the camera. He was a director. It, it was right. like so. It's sort of like a distance. You're not seeing. Them. Yeah, yeah, and and I think, but I think that if it happened now, it might be different. That being said, like this is what I mean. Like the stuff is so complicated, right? Yeah. Like if we That's talk also, about he said horrible, horrible things. Kanye is saying crazy things. Mel Gibson said right. horrible things. Right. And and there's a difference there, but I've been around people who are bipolar when they're on the downside of it. And it's if they have a half an ounce of intelligence and know you even just a little bit, the kind of stuff that comes out of their mouth is vicious. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like if they have the ability to do stuff, that sensor that stops people from doing stuff is non-existent. Do you know what I mean? And I've seen people say and do some of the most horrific things in uh, on the downswing of the bipolar side, right? Yeah. And so I get it. I've seen it up close and personal. Like, whoa, that's like terrifying. And and before you know, before when you when you take that stuff personally because you don't know the person has an issue, it, it it's hard, right? Because them's fighting words, you know what I mean? Like, them's fighting words. And so, you know, we're about to knuckle up and get into it. But when you realize that they have uh, have something, <laughs> is this our edit? This is going to be our edit. <laughs> hey, buddy. You want to come see my friend? This is my friend. <laughs> So if you we're back, you my son was the here. person, right? Once you get to know the person, you don't take the stuff personally because you realize they have an issue and they need help and they need your compassion rather than your anger. I think that Mel Gibson came out at a point where we hadn't quite come to that place yet. And I, I, mean? actually, we yeah, I, do, and I, I think I answered my own question while I was talking um, because of what I said earlier. Um, Kanye has not come out and asked for forgiveness yet or said, I'm on meds or I'm getting the help I need, but people understand the problem better and are willing to be more sympathetic. And he didn't say anything nearly as horrific as Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson also, like I said, with the ISIS woman from Britain, might not have come out publicly and said, please forgive me. What he's done 
is a lot of behind the scenes work. As I said, he went and met with Jewish leaders and with members of the LGBTQ community and talked about what he did. What we like in America is public contrition. And I don't know if he's too proud or if he rightfully so thinks this was something I did. I need to work on it on my own. But he did a lot of private work that I don't think people know about that when he went to um, make amends, he did so privately among those hurt or the community. And maybe he does need to be public about it because when he talks about Jewish people or black people uses the, the slander, maybe he does need to come out and say that I have done this and I have done this. And I've been working for 10 years and I'm on my meds and please forgive me. And then maybe we would, maybe we would, I don't know. But it just seemed in the thread that everyone was very forgiving of, of Kanye and nobody except one other person wanted to even discuss an ounce of forgiveness for Gibson. That's where I was going. Was I thought that's cool. I mean, if we take this to the next thing, again, these things are, they're way more complex, right? There's a lot of stuff. We have time, we have distance, we have age, we have social media, we have race, we have position, one's Hollywood, one's music, right? So we, there's, it's not an apple, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but if I were to bring race into it, I would say, as I'm fond of saying, white folks don't give a fuck about white folks. They don't. White people don't care about white people. Like, white people have been playing a game of we're gonna lie like it's this thing it's a game that that people and not just white people play like everybody tends to play this game which is i won't call you out on your shit if you don't call me out on my shit let's just all pretend it doesn't exist and then when mel does something like that it speaks to like what he said is stuff that a lot of people think that's the thing right when he started saying well, the, what did he say? Like, oh, Jew, the Jews Jewish run people. Hollywood and yeah. did this and do that and control this. That's, he's not the first person I've heard say that. He said it in the vilest way. Whereas yeah. other people just kind of make jokes about it because they don't want to lose their jobs. You know what I mean? But like, well, you know, before, before we go too far down this path, what you said, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you've said this and I've said this, we've talked about this, as far as white people not caring about white people, it's also demeaning and insulting to black people. It is, in a sense, the idea that, well, Kanye needs help. He doesn't know any better. That's fine. We can protect him. Right. Mel should know better. Oh, that's just right. wrong. Absolutely. And, yes. and that's insulting yes. to think that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I've made that right because I always make that point when we talk about what about the starving white kids in the trailer parks whose moms are meth heads and dads are in jail, a part of some biker gang. Well, they should know better. Right. The kids oh, they have hood, white privilege. They should just, you know, right, they, exactly, their, right. they, they squandered it. Right. And, and, and that, and, you know, and, and that's the thing, like, it's the, you know, the, it's the cognitive dissonance thing, right? These two competing ideas can both exist in somebody's head. And I feel like with Mel, I feel like it's not even that white people don't care about white people. It's that when white people write other white people off, it seems infinitely more difficult for them to come back, right? Like they'll give you a lot of latitude, right? Like if you've got money and you're a good looking white dude, right? And you got power and fame, like they give you wide latitude, right? Like Charlie Sheen got away with a lot of shit for a long time. And then he decided to write checks to hookers, right? And he was writing them. It's not like he wrote one. 
yeah. throw checks all the time to hookers. He says, why wouldn't I? And then when it turned out, he was like, what do you mean? I've been doing it for years. Like, why are you mad now? I mean, like, you're mad at this? Like, this I think they're mad what it is, like, and I have AIDS. Oh, I didn't right. tell you that part. <laughs> when right, it came right. out that he had AIDS, that right. might have been the, the wait a second. <laughs> Right, but you know what I mean? Like, you, you, like you're saying they hit a line and then it's unforgivable. That's they cross a right, and, but it's like, and but I could get why people would be confused, right? Like if you're if you're freaking Charlie Sheen, you've been famous since you were your early twenties. Your dad's pretty famous too. Less than that, you know I mean, what I mean, I like you live a charmed life. Like, why on earth would you think that this is gonna be? Of course, you're high on coke and banging people three at a time and paying for hookers with checks. Of course, like, why wouldn't you have been doing it your whole life? And then to say, now this is where we draw the line. It's like the Trump, like the Democrats and Trump, like, well, this is going to be the one that his followers finally see what kind of person he is. No, they already knew what kind of no, person he No, you mean he was. Republicans and Trump. Yeah. Yeah. What did I say? I think you just said Democrats. I could have been oh, wrong. No, no, the, no, the Democrats keep thinking that the Republicans are going to see who oh. he really is because of something he does. And I I'm thought like, you meant that the Republicans, like when Susan Collins of Maine said, well, I'm not going to impeach him because I think he learned his lesson. And then he went hog wild and started firing more right. people. Like, no, you just right. let the fucking dog off the leash. And right. you think because you scolded him, bad doggy. Yeah. Right. I thought you were talking, but it's the same thing. Right. Democrats right. keep thinking yeah. Republicans are going to come around. And yeah. Right. And, 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 and the idea that like, but the thing is that he pushed the line so far, where do you actually draw the line now? that where would it be a reasonable place to draw the line? Like, it would have been reasonable at this point. Now he's so far past it. But you know what I mean? Like, but anyway, to not go crazy all wild here, I, I think that, like, what I would love to see is I would love to see white people, but all people ultimately – get to a point where we cannot take things personally, but also forgive ourselves for what we've done. If that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like, if we think about... Mm -hmm. I was just going to say it does, because I wanted to talk about this in passing, uh, but I read Val Kilmer's book. Hmm, is uh, it any good? It's all right. The one thing I liked about it is the one thing that you and I talked about several weeks ago uh, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth in his book, mm. how he never takes responsibility for anything. He's like, the entire book is fuck Metallica. They kicked me out. Right. I mean, start the Val Kilmer yeah. talks about, he, he talks about several relationships he was in and uh, how he botched them. He, he takes full responsibility for his divorce. He says, I was heartbroken. I didn't like that she did this. However, I'm a grown ass man. I understand why she did it. I understand my role in it. But every step of the way he talks about his, and he's, and he, he doesn't, I don't think he uses the words. I forgive myself for my mistakes, but he owns up to them. And, and that's part of the redemption I was talking about and forgiveness is he doesn't pass the buck. And I like that. And, um, yeah, I just, it, it was a very, you talk about forgiving yourself and he seemed to be writing from a point of, if not forgiveness, at least acceptance. And that's, acceptance is halfway to forgiveness. If you accept your own actions and own up to what you've done, then the next step is going to be forgiveness. It's when you yeah, deny absolutely. or point fingers or lay blame, that's where we get stuck in the place we're at right now, which is this side, that side, yeah. you, 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 no, you, 
um, cut dry black white, no shades of gray. God. Yeah. Uh, Soul man. Thank you. Best movie ever. <laughs> That's how you, anybody watching knows we've known each other for 30 goddamn years because I can just get stuck and you just boom right there. You knew exactly what I was trying to think of. See Thomas Howell. You got that reference right off your oh, I love the We are an old married couple, there. you and I. She's standing there with the Native American catch us. I'm writing my thesis called Shades of Pink or some shit. And it's just like, oh, that's Ooh, awesome. gets shit on so much. It could never get made today, but it's such a good, bad movie. Oh, it's awful. It's ridiculous, but it's hilarious. <laughs> Tanning oh. pills. <laughs> turns black with Oh, it is funny because right like everybody thinks he can play basketball yeah. but it's like it shows like it's a very childish way to look at race but it's the best we could do at that time that point it like had, the they, best they we had the could right do, idea you know, you know like right it, yeah. it, it that was what that was what was we had to offer odd but it wasn't yeah. i don't know it was it didn't intend to be hurtful and it i i think it screwed i don't know um <laughs> before we wrap up I did forget one thing that I wanted to talk about, and that's personal hypocrisy. Mine, my hypocrisy. Mm. Talking about ISIS and forgiveness and these two women. Mm -hmm. uh, if they had been blown up in drone strikes, I, I would not have wept for them. I would, I, I mean, I would have said, well, bummer, but you know, like the Herman Cain thing. I'm like, well, they, they did kind of go over there to, to join. So, you know, it, it sucks. They were 15, they made bad decisions because, um, Somewhere in my head, and I'm not doing a good job of tying this together, and I know we're jumping back several topics. Uh, do you remember the Yemeni cleric that Obama blew up? Mm -mm. He, he was an American. He, he did the same thing as the girls. It was a guy, and I don't know how young he was. He probably in his 20s, something like that. He went to Yemen and became a very popular fuck America cleric for whatever version of ISIS is in Yemen. And Obama blew him up with a drone strike, and there was a certain faction of the left that was outraged saying he just blew up an American citizen without a trial, without a conviction, without a jury, without a judge, without criminal, blah, 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 unconstitutional. I'm like, or the asshole went over there and started telling people to kill Americans and got his just desserts. So, I mean, I don't want to make it seem like I'm completely forgiving to people that join ISIS, but I do believe in second chances. And I agree with you. It is, complicated and I'm not and I don't want to make it seem like just you know open arms and let these people back into the country case by case and it's it's, yeah. it's difficult but at the end like you said I I want to believe in forgiveness and redemption and not in that magic Jesus deathbed way where you don't put in the effort you just automatically get granted a free pass for everything you've done I mean I think that's what I think that's the real thing is that real forgiveness comes with a sense of like i feel like gratitude and forgiveness are somehow woven into each other in these weird ways right like and forgiveness comes from a certain place inside another person right but i feel like if you're the person who needs the forgiving whether or not you get it or not there's a certain kind of revolution that goes on inside of you. Like the things that I feel that I deeply need to be forgiven about 
are things that pain me. Like they're memories that I've created that I do not, that I wish I didn't have. Dude, I mean, I say that to people all the time when I see them about to fuck up. I'm like, this is not a memory you want to make. Yeah. I'm like, trust me, you don't want to make this memory. You're going to make it. And one day when you realize the gravity of it, you're going to really wish you didn't, right? Because the weight of carrying the shit around that you've done is fucking heavy. And when you carry enough stuff, you stop wanting to create that stuff. And it can be a bunch of little things or one big thing. Like these girls might've done something huge, but now one day they're like, holy shit. I understand how these seemingly innocuous decisions have these massive ripple effects and what that I'm not some lone wolf who my actions have no, like no um, impact on anybody around me. No, they don't create a system. Yeah. Like there's, there's an ecosystem that we're all a part of. And so when you see how your things affect all these other people, those are the people you really deeply want forgiveness from. Right, it's the people who your actions deeply affected them in ways that you didn't see, and things like that. To me, when I look for forgiveness for my own stuff, but I find that like the stuff that I'm when I'm on the road to redemption, that road is full of action, you know what I mean? Like, it's full of I want to show you actively that I'm no longer this way, it's a right? Yeah, like there's there's something really, and it's humbling, like to to really be confronted with the weight of your own decision making and how that has affected your life and other people. And when you take responsibility for that stuff, the weight of that stuff is heavy. And when you look at the good stuff you've done in your life, the lightness of that stuff is incredible, right? Like Like there's great decisions you've made that seemed innocuous at the time that led to all these incredible things. And then these bad decisions that led to all these negative things. And when you start to see the responsibility that you have in your own life, I think that it really does bring about a different way of being that is almost obvious. Like when you talk about Mel Gibson doing this stuff, Mel Gibson's not trying to get forgiveness from the world. He doesn't, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't need it because he's a millionaire. I, right, we we got to wrap it up, but I do want to say, I want to jump off what you just said. Um, I think the, the trick is if you can see the good yeah. decisions you make and created life, sure. because uh, I always think of, think of Dick Vermeil, um, uh, the co- coach, coach for the, the Rams when they won the Super Bowl and went back uh, with Kurt Warner. And they, they said, uh, hey, you, they interviewed him years after he quit coaching. And they said, oh, you, you won two Super Bowls. He goes, yeah, but that doesn't stick with you. The losses stick with you. The victories, they're gone the next day, but the losses. So it's a matter of can you yeah. see the good you, you've, yeah. uh, you've done. All right. Uh, you got anything to plug? You, you plugged a show a couple of weeks ago. We, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks because we did a two-parter. Or uh, should we just talk about antargood.com? Oh. Let me think. I'm trying to think. Uh, we have a show on the 8th, on August 8th. August we have a couple 8th. of shows. But it's my, it's my wedding anniversary and my daughter's oh, birthday. Yeah. She, was, she was born on uh, my wedding anniversary. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, but I think we may do this again before the next show. <laughs> so let's, let's promote uh, katiehenrymusic.com. Uh, Absolutely. Is the musical director for that band. 
and uh, antargoodwin.com if you want to contact mm -hmm. you personally for any reason to discuss anything we've discussed or take bass lessons uh, or mm -hmm. anything else. Uh, I am at nathantimmel.com. I write blogs. I have a merch page. You can find my albums on Spotify. You can find Katie mm -hmm. Henry Band on Spotify. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you can find my books on Amazon. And that's about it. That's, that's the whoring we have for this week. So this Indeed. week was forgiveness and redemption. Forgive us for taking up your time. We will offer <laughs> our redemption next week. <laughs> All right. Well, later, man, my so friend. I'll see you, man. <laughs>